0: Hola, date nighters. Trust your week's off to a blessed start. Hello, hello. All right. Beautiful Brie went to the dentist today. Pearly White's a little Novocaine. So... A <laughs> <laughs> May not make sense. Before we start, I think we need to have a parent powwow, my love. About what? About teen slang. Like the Urban Dictionary and all that. Why? because Because I just learned about the riz. What's this? It's like he's got riz. Charisma, style, flash, the riz, yo. Oh my. Yeah, it's in the Oxford Dictionary. They're calling it the word of 2023.
1: That will not be a word of 2024 if we are using <laughs>
0: it. <in my> <laughs> the riz re- is so true. Once parents get a word, it is dead. We can kill it right now. Seriously. Yo, Bree's got the riz. Ace on bad take if you know you know. That's us. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> right now that we've lost everyone under age 35, let's get into this. Seriously. This is going to be a game changer. We pray for some of you out there.
1: And Tony and I have met many wonderful young people who have jumped into marriage but struggle to know what marriage will entail.
0: So, with a couple of months into their marriage, they're insecure, confused, or frustrated, or so whatever. So, this
1: episode is just bringing clarity on the origin, purpose, and promises of marriage.
0: Perfect. You ready, my sunflower? Yes. Ethan, ready? Let her rip. Well, drum roll, please, my sunflower.
1: Oh, so. my handsome turkey.
0: Oh, gobble, gobble. We are far from perfect parents. They're saying this isn't daddy's fate. This isn't mommy's fate. This is me. All right. Well, like Bree mentioned, that's kind of like a new little intro there. Yeah, We'll have to work on that. Polish uh-huh. it up a little bit. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there, everyone. Happy New Year. <laughs> new things from DNWTW. Oh. So like Bree mentioned... We get to be around a lot of young adults, students, uh, and different people. And we meet people who are really hurting, especially young marrieds, because they've entered the marriage with kind of misinformed presuppositions, erroneous views of what marriage was meant to be. And obviously, that puts a lot of pressure on them.
1: And this is both Christians and non-Christians. Yeah,
0: mostly because... And we all get this—an entire generation now who came out of broken homes, and so they don't have a biblical worldview or marital view, because their mommy and daddy didn't, and so that just gets passed down.
1: Which leads to a ton of insecurity, doubt, frustration for young couples. And side note, we are so grateful when you reach out. So DM yeah, ask questions, especially at on those
0: things. So in this episode, we're talking foundations. What are the expectations, attitudes, and practices that God intended for marriage? Why is it so important to view marriage His way?
1: And if you're a wifey listening, this could be one of those pods. You have hubby listen to maybe driving on date night or something like that, just so that there's a shared foundation. And
0: brothers, too, same thing. If you don't feel on the same page with your wife, this could help.
1: And for sake of length, we'll break it up into two or three episodes, right, my love? That's it. Okay.
0: For this episode, we're going to skim over the producer of marriage, then the purpose of marriage, and then finish with the promise in marriage. And this first section will be basic for most of y'all, but it's still important to skim over it.
1: Because most of us know marriage was given by God, but don't know how significant that is. And by the way, I love the alliteration there. <laughs> yeah. You I didn't notice.
0: Yeah, pastor. <laughs> and this can't be overstated. Christians, date nighters around the world, we must understand that our marriage is of divine origin. It comes from heaven it comes from God which may sound like old news except for the fact everywhere we go today we're being told the opposite
1: every part of secular culture is pushing against this simple truth saying that man is simply inside a universe where there's no God all's ruled by chance and therefore marriage is not divine but whatever a person wants or in quotes identifies as
0: right instead of a divine fiat a command that comes from God marriage is just human experience kind of an invention of this ever evolving species
1: two antithetical yep, realities which
0: leads to two completely different experiences and consequences in real life.
1: Because if marriage is a divinely produced institution, then it should be cherished and protected until God ordains otherwise. And the rules of marriage are to be God's rules. But if marriage is just a human idea, then it can be tweaked, changed, killed off, depending on anyone's win.
0: And that's where so many 20-somethings, and I I would imagine some of y'all listening, have been deceived. The culture has so ingrained the fluidity of relationship. The propaganda is so heavy. The allures of sexual freedom so present. So many only know broken homes. And our churches have not done a good job boldly teaching truth and personal sin is involved too, that millions of people get married with a very low view of marriage, to the point biblical. Concepts feel irrelevant and not worth striving for
1: and it's not just 20-somethings I've met with others who Mm. are older that have told me how fragile and frustrating marriage life is and how little effort either want to put into that relationship
0: Yeah, it's like everyone hooks up on the physical and then tries to live like some reality TV show they've seen back in the day. While the whole time their hearts are dying on the inside and they lust for another adventure, it begins to grow to the point it all takes, it's just one little spark and then the marriage kind of bursts into flames. Which
1: is why we have to start here. Yeah,
0: unless we all agree on this one, that God is the author of marriage, we're dead in the water. There's no reason for counseling or books or even this podcast. Basically 100% of the time a marriage is doomed when one or often both don't agree on the divine origin of their Nuptials. Okay, let's go ahead and move from the producer to the purpose. And now we're getting into the meat and uh, what do you call it? What did you call it last week? The the meat and bone, the meat and skin. <laughs> what was we did something fun here? <laughs> we're driving home. We're like, what was that? Meat and skin, meat. And bone. What did I say? I said meat and bones. Meat. Got to spit out the meat and bones? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> because much. this one. We're getting into the meat and potatoes is what we meant <laughs> there to say. Go. Because this one comes with even greater consequences. Like, if we don't have this squared away in our mind, things will immediately fall apart.
1: Because even in Christian circles, there are some strange ideas about marriage.
0: Yeah. And not all of them are wrong, but often they're a subcategory of what marriage was meant to be and not the primary purpose of marriage.
1: And if our subcategories become our primary priorities, then we'll go sideways. Yes.
0: And disclaimer there, all we do is for the glory of God. So that eternal, all all all-encompassing doxological reality is assumed here in what we're sharing. We're talking right now from a human perspective. And so my love, would you read Genesis chapter two, verse 18?
1: Yes. It says the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone.
0: That's key there in the garden. God gives the foundational purpose of marriage to meet man's needs for companionship, to ensure that a husband and a wife wouldn't be lonely. So the primary purpose of marriage is companion after the glory of God is companionship.
1: And the Bible many times refers to this marital bond as intimacy or Mm -hmm. unity,
0: which helps us begin to unravel many of the wrong ideas about marital purpose. And again, not that these are all wrong in and of themselves, but only when they're elevated to being number one, And perhaps the most obvious throughout history of these is that marriage is primarily for procreation, right? Making babies. But that belief confuses marriage with mating, turning humans kind of into little gerbils. It's pretty obvious we don't need marriage to make babies, as we sadly see around the world. Many are making babies without marriage at all. So marriage has to, by the sake of its very definition, be more than just mating.
1: Which connects to another errant view that marriage is just a place for legitimate intercourse, which is a prominent view in evangelical Bible colleges where teens are taught not to have sex before marriage. And so they begin to hold on to marriage as the place where those desires can be forever solved.
0: Which in God's design, marriage does provide an outlet for selfless romance and release, but the flesh and devil skew that when we as young people enter marriage with images and fantasies and lusts driving us And then begin to picture marriage as kind of a place to you know live out our rated x movie set or whatever I'll never forget. There was a man who called me. He was weeping this solid christian He'd been married seven eight years. He's doing his prayer time one night And the lord just crushed him and he called me weeping. He said i've been taking Out my old fantasies on my wife. I'm not loving her. I'm not loving her It was a beautiful moment as he confessed uh, and he was never the same. He, had, he just confessed his sin. The Lord's using him in powerful ways. But it just shows that no matter how long we've walked with the Lord, there may be some of these images ingrained in our mind that we're actually displaying and taking out on our spouse. Yes. So it's not procreation. It's not sex. It's this idea of companionship that Genesis 2.18 talks about, where a couple takes their marriage vows, and whether they realize it or not, they're vowing to provide companionship for one another, here's the key, for the rest of their lives. And notice they don't vow when you go to a wedding, they don't vow to receive companionship, but they're actually vowing to give companionship.
1: Yeah, I've got the historic Christian vows here. It says, in the name of God, I, blank, take you, Tony, blank,
0: take you, <laughs>
1: to be my husband or wife, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until death do we part. This is my solemn vow.
0: And notice there how one person is vowing to meet the other's need for life. No strings, no sometimes. Which
1: means when we complain, I'm not getting what I deserve in this marriage, we're actually saying something nonsensical because mm. we didn't enter into the marriage to get something for ourselves. In fact, we vowed the opposite, to give everything for our spouse. So it's not a bargain, a trade-off, or a quid pro quo.
0: And here's where things get interesting. If you're listening right now in the car at work or on a date or vacuuming with earbuds in, whatever, once this clicks... God's design, the foundational purpose is going to change everything. Mm -hmm. The only question we ever need to ask when we're in our marriage is, am I fulfilling my vows? And that's love right there. We'll talk more about that next week. That's what's right. Regardless of what we get back, regardless of what our spouse does for us, am I actually doing what I have committed to do? Date utters, our marriage vows committed us to giving, not to getting.
1: So ladies, we should be asking, how can I please God and my husband, not how can I please myself? And this can happen subtly in our thoughts throughout the day. It's not always the big problems where this can show up.
0: And brothers, the same thing. How can I please God by pleasing her? because my fundamental obligation the moment we walk the aisle is pleasing God by pleasing my spouse. And it's amazing how that changes our view of sexual issues, of money issues, of family issues, of communication issues, just everything. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and jump, and everyone can probably guess what's next. The producer and the purpose leads to an obvious promise. Because
1: marriage without commitment does not work.
0: Nope. If a marriage is set up where it can, even in our imagination, be brought to an end by either partner, it doesn't have a chance. Because things are going to go wrong, we're all sinners, (laughs) and we get lots of bad advice. So if we enter the marriage with an out option, we're bound to break.
1: Which is why the Bible describes marriage as a covenant, Malachi 2, Proverbs 2, Ezekiel 16, which is the most solemn term for a binding agreement known to mankind. In Ephesians, it's pictured by Jesus to be his bride, hmm. promised to one another for all eternity.
0: So really what we're making when walking the aisle is what we're calling a covenant of companionship, and I, I stole that from Jay Adams back in the day, which summarizes the whole of biblical marriage in two words. And that's a term we have to learn and hold on to, to the point it may seem really weird to do this. And I, if you're listening, you're like, dude, I'm not doing that, man. That's, I, I get it. But just, just think about it. You may want to pause this episode right here. Find your spouse, phone call, FaceTime, whatever, just, just go over and grab him or her. Look him in the eyes right now and simply say, I never realized what our vows meant until this moment. And I want you to know that this is right here what we have, a covenant companionship. Like, I'm here for you. No matter what, until death, I am pleasing God by pleasing you and nothing is gonna ever stop that. So good. And listen, if you guys both do that, look in each other's eyes, you'll feel it. You'll you'll sense something happening on the inside and there's nothing like this on this side of heaven. True, intentional, heartfelt commitment before God and spouse, it's better than any movie.
1: And you, my love, tell me little things which reassures me so
0: deeply. Oh, you're easy to love, my dearest. (laughs) All to say, God considers our entrance into a marriage covenant from his perspective. That's what we have to get ingrained in our heart regardless of whether we understand it or not what we committed to when we walk the aisle this is how he saw it and just like he expected adam to care for eve how he cared for israel how jesus cares for his bride the church he expects we now operate in those terms
1: and i'd like to just encourage the ladies that even if your husband isn't there yet and you know maybe busy at work or still trying to learn what spiritual leadership is Our covenant vows with him remain because they were made before God. And even if he doesn't reciprocate, as hard as it may seem, still go to him. Communicate your depth of love toward him. Throw yourself 100% on the reliance of Christ to do that.
0: And I don't want to be lame, guys. (laughs) Not saying everything needs to be a Hallmark movie, but taking your wife's face in your hands. Uh, or just looking over her at bed before you go to sleep, looking in her eyes and telling her, you're my love. Till death or the return of Christ is a game changer. That's all it takes. Putting your cards on the table, stating it like it is, no mush. And that, like I said, is better than any movie. Amen. And just to conclude, there are a number of errors that cause trouble in these areas, like a wrong view of love, the idea things should, in quote, feel the same after we walk the aisle, that marriage will fix our disagreements, or it's okay to be unequally yoked. Uh, marry into competing worldviews, false expectations in the bedroom, and a whole host of other romantic notions of marriage. And if we have a wrong perspective on these, it'll mess with this, what we call covenant companionship. So, What we're going to do is next week, we're going to hit on all of those, kind of the unbiblical attitudes and perspectives that surround a covenant companionship and can wreak havoc on both the joy and the unity of that marriage. I can't wait. Okay, closing thoughts, my love.
1: Just how important it is that couples try that assignment of clarifying their covenant companionship to one another. I can't overemphasize what an impact that has on a heart.
0: Well, why don't we do that? If anyone out there does this, send us a note, uh, DM us, IG, Date Night with the Woods, and then and we would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how that went. Uh, send us a picture if you want. That's kind of weird. Maybe not. But we'd love to get back to you and, and, and hear the story that God's so doing fun. in your life. Okay. So there it is. Make your marriage what it's meant to be, part one. God's the producer. He gave its purpose. And our job is to keep the promise. Next week, we'll be back with part 2 Woohoo. Heavenly Father, you gave us this covenant. We want to be faithful with this covenant. So help all of us around the world, in the cities, in the countryside, the north, the south, the east, the west, wherever we are, to remember our vow to please you by pleasing our spouse. These things we ask your help for in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Date Nighters, we love you. As always, thanks to Ethan, our Mission Bible family. Until next time, keep living for his glory and fighting for your family.